Get this started here and open us with a word of prayer. Well, Father God, we just come to you this morning, Father, in the beauty of this great morning. Father, we've just chatted a little bit about snow and just the remembrance of, of times when uh, we just experienced a lot of snow and our responses to that. And we just reminded that you are the God uh, of creation and that this is, as we look at the even the smallest snowflake, that it just your hand is so obvious um, in the beauty of it. So we just uh, do praise you for uh, just who you are. Father, I thank you for uh, probably the greatest privilege that we have, and that is to be uh, your children and to be in this place in the fellowship of other believers to be able to share in your word. Father, we just count it such a, a great privilege. And Lord, we just do pray that today and each time that we gather, Father, that your spirit will continue to enrich us uh, to the depth of the passage, Father, that just, it, it, it sticks. It sticks in our hearts and it sticks in our minds. Father, I pray that through this, uh, this letter of Second Peter, Father, that we will be reminded of the, the foundations of our faith, the importance of doctrine, and Father, that even for what's ahead, and Father, what you've called us to do. So we just pray that your spirit will lead it and just uh, in our time today and that our minds will be open and our hearts will be open to receive uh, your message today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I, I, why do we remember um, some of the most interesting things? So why did you remember those? My question is, this is what was this most memorable? What was it about that? Well, I'm going to connect a couple of things that I already picked up on. One was that there was a very, very emotional event that occurred for Lori with her dad that is forever etched in her mind that winter day, that snowstorm. Or it was a, a very joyous day, right, Don? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> In that snowstorm when that baby was, was born. Or maybe it was that little boy that is just, I was so worried for my dad that he would just get home. Or going to the, getting even to the, the detail of your memory of going to get some milk at the store. Why do we remember those things? The significance. You know, there are, I'm not a person that knows a lot about the brain, but I do know that there are like three types of memory because I can relate to all three of them. There is sort of the immediate types of things that like I forget. I could meet someone last week in church, hi, my name is Dave, they would say my name is Tom, and I will forget it within a matter of like milliseconds it seems like. Okay? Problem. (laughs) Then there is sort of this, uh, this, like, this working memory section. It's sort of like that you, it has a little more interim period that you work at it. In other words, I, I might just take a couple of more minutes and I might repeat his name back to me, myself. You know, Tom, good to meet you. And I'll say to myself, Tom, Tom, Tom. 
Tom, Tom. You've all done that, right? Okay. Okay, so that becomes sort of this working memory because it, it works for you for a period of time. You know, and then, and even in that working memory is that I, I'm reminded of uh, my school days in college that I was a great procrastinator. So, you know, you the old cramming for the finals, right? You just pull the all-nighters. That's what you do. So that you'd stay all night and you just fill your mind with whatever you needed to know and it became a good working memory because I could regurgitate it really quick, right? You know, after taking the test, but then a week later, I don't know. I totally forget it. And then there becomes the long-term memory, right? That you can remember the details from 1967, Dietmar. Or you can even remember other things personally in your lives down to the smallest little thing of what someone might have been wearing even, historically. So, why do we remember? Well, I want to read something that is somewhat factual, but it's from the Yale University, so it's got to be something that's somewhat credible, right? (laughs) Our memories are rich because they are formed through associations. When we experience an event... Our brains tie the sights, the smells, the sounds, and our own impressions together into a relationship. That relationship itself is in the memory of the event itself. Unlike computers, a human memory is not a discrete thing that exists as a particular location. Instead, it is an abstract relationship amongst thoughts that arises out of neutral activities spread over the whole brain. But how is this memory relationship actually made? The process from both a biological and a behavior perspective is critically dependent on reinforcement. Important word. Reinforcement can come in the form of repetition or practice. We remember that 2 plus 2 equals... Very good. You're awake this morning. Why? How do you know that? Because you heard it. And you've repeated it, right? How did we learn our ABCs? How did you... What was the things? You learned it with a song. With a... What do you, what do you call that when you throw that with a song in there? Help me. Well, it, it, yeah, like a mnemonic type of thing. You kind of do a little thing. Either way, we remember certain little, little jingles or things that help us. Okay, But either way, reinforcement is that important piece of this. Now, we remember... Those, because of that reinforcement. It can also occur, so you get the repetition, reinforcement. It could also occur through emotion itself. In other words, most people remember when because of something that was very emotionally attached in there. And so reinforcement and repetition is a critical factor in forming memories because it moves memory relationship from short-lived to long-lasting ones. And so, as I, I, uh, as I read that from just a, a little Google thing, right? Why do you need to remember when you have Google things, right? And so, we remember these things. And so, there is, I want to bridge off of that fact base as it relates to this particular passage uh, this morning. And as it relates to 
helping us try to work through why is it that sometimes we remember things that are not important and yet we forget the things that are important. So, with that introduction, as we move into this passage in Second Peter, this theme that will be centered throughout this is this remembering the truth when it really counts as a primer to guard against false teaching. And I'll lay it out again so much next week because I just want to focus a little bit on just some of the basic aspects of this passage today. But it is a, it is a threefold aspect of this as we look at this book of Second Peter. And it really comes down to this key aspect of remembrance. And so over the next three weeks is that as we look at this passage in 2 Peter 1, 12 to 21. Can someone read, open up your Bibles there, and let's read the passage together, all three sections of it, starting in verse 12 down to verse 21. You can read it up here, or if you have your Bible that you'd like to read, this is the NASB version. Someone like to read? Therefore I will always be ready to remind you of these things, even though you already know them, have been established in the truth which is present with you. I consider it right, as long as I am in this earthly dwelling, to stir you up by way of reminder, knowing that the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is imminent, as also our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. I will also be diligent that at any time after my departure you will be able to call these things to mind. For we did not follow cleverly devised tales when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. For when He received honor and glory from God the Father, such an utterance as this was made to Him by the majestic majestic glory. This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this utterance made from heaven when we were with Him on the holy mountain. So we have the prophetic word made more sure which you do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place, till the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. But know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. Thanks, Cheryl. The, the three sections that we have here, the first section was, will, will be our focus today, which is this aspect of the reminder, our reminder, as we under, this theme of understanding Scripture. What Mark has kind of walked us through over the f- first few weeks of introduction through the first 11 verses, we're going to kind of see the importance of that laying this foundation. And then Peter's exhortation of reminder, not only to his readers, but to you and I. We'll transition then to this aspect of the eyewitness aspect of Peter himself and the eyewitnesses of the apostles. And then finally, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit as it relates to the Word. So understanding our scriptures, both our remembrance of the Word, the eyewitnesses to that, the credibility of those writers themselves, those apostles, and then the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So this will be our, how I'll break down the text over the next uh, few weeks as we go through this. I wanted to 
as we look at our objective as far as what does God want us to learn, and I'm going to jump to this and I want to go back to a couple of the questions that I have there a little bit. But God's plan for His people has never changed. And it's that we be constantly focusing on the truth that He has given us. In other words, to put it really simple, we need nothing new, (laughs) we need nothing more, we need nothing else. We just need constant reminders of the Word. This is why the depth of the passage itself is ever critical for having any kind of foundation itself. I'm often... We, we joke around with Mark. I do it all the time, but yet gives it back to him. He said, you know, it just takes forever to get through a passage. But I'm going to tell you right now, there is nothing more critical than to continue to build off of that foundation of the truth as well as to keep going back over the basics. Over and over and over again. We talked about, you know, this importance of reinforcement this morning as well as the repetition and as part of the memory. That first question is sort of an open-ended question to you. It says, well, what is this value then of this repetition? And if you were to take that and now relate it specifically to the Word of God, what would it look like? Your thoughts. What is the value of repetition when it relates to the Word of God? It's also discovery, even so through something, it's a picture. Oh, thank you. Others. You couldn't have hit it. Any, any harder on the you know on the head on that because you know based on that secular type of perspective on memory what it's saying is is oh it's about reinforcement because it's about relationships itself and what you've just described there is that absent that reinforcement with the word that repetition with the word there is no intimacy with God it's a void. It's nothing more than just words. And I I, I tell you, today, I believe, is that the want from from many, even believers, is the new. It's the new. It's, you know, come on. Are you going to tell me, Dave, that all we're going to talk about is the word reminder today? Yes. That's all we're going to talk about. And we're going to go back to a lot of passages that continue to say the same thing over and over and over again. So, there's nothing, there's nothing new. As believers, you know it. In fact, this passage tells Peter, says, I already know you know it. And I'm telling you this, I already know you know this. But we're going to do it again. Fundamentally, from a teacher's perspective, that, that repetition, there's so much value in it because you just keep going back over and over and over again. Those teachers, that's, what the, that's why they teach. They teach so that you repeat. We all knew it, 2 plus 2 was because that's what we were taught. And we had it ingrained, and, and we had that relationship, and we could recall it. All of the examples that you provided really hit it at the core of this because it gets to a depth. You, you probably lose 90% of what you, you take in. You know, in other words, about 90% of it, you lose it. The 10% is because you keep you work it. <laughs> you just keep working it over and over again. And so what we're going to look at today is hopefully some connections that you can make within the Word through passages that continue to help us to see that, boy, I'm not alone in this. But also within this passage that we can see the value that comes to it because ultimately what the goal is.
And that goal is is that we continue to treasure, see the treasure in God's Word. Well, I think there's another slightly different aspect that is significant too. And just as our brains have neurons that are all connected, the more we study the Word, we make connections between different parts of it that enrich the whole. You mentioned, you know, like when you read a passage, maybe, and then you read it again and something connects on that. And the Holy Spirit is is managing all of those connections. And they say, well, i got a verse for that. Let me take you there. And it's you, you recall that. And so this, that is this, this treasury, this repository of beautiful, inspirational Scripture that continues to up, uphold and to, and to lift us up. Let's do some of those um, other things, and, and we're going to hit on many of those. But uh, when we... When we when we move into the depth of that passage itself, it does. It brings. It's, it's very timely. And one of the fascinating things about this particular passage is in verse 15 he says that, Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decrease, after I'm gone. And if you think about what we have here, it's after they're gone. We have these, insp- you know, these inspired writers, it's after they're gone. And this is this phenomenal, again, this treasury of God's Word that that was fulfilled. And you and I are these readers today just like Peter's readers were then. It was the exactly the same intent, the same motive, and the same hope that he would actually advance in my writing that. That's the wonder of the Holy Spirit. So many years, over two thousand years later, you know, here we are, almost going to this place of of understanding. Well, this particular passage in, in twelve to fifteen will be our first focus today. This remembrance of God's basic truths, and what it is, it really serves as sort of this interlude, and in that an interlude is this like middle place. It's like it, it's like this bridge that's going to connect. And the connections that we're going to see is, is that one is that it's going to, he's going to say, well, because it says therefore, or if he says for this reason at the beginning of verse 12, he's saying, Take a, I want you to go back and reread what I just told you. So that is this first part of the letter. These first 11 verses, or 3 through 11. And then what he's going to do is that he's, it, it serves as not connecting us beyond that to what is going to follow after verse 21. So we have verses 12 through 21 to serve as this interlude that gets right into chapter 2, which is now going to be about the false teachers. So he's laying a foundation saying, remember what I just told you before you could begin to understand the importance of that foundation as it relates to discerning in dealing with the opposition in the form of heresy and, and false teaching. He points them back to verses 3 through 11, encouraging his readers that they already know. And, and this is, again, I, I, I take it for, for us here. It says, For this reason I will not be negligent to remind you all, always of these things, though you know. These things we already know. And what are the these things? Yeah, because what... 
what a key takeaway was in those first few verses, you know, Mark, as you walked us through those, it was really uh, a focus on salvation and, and the sufficiency that have what also what we have within that itself as being this basic truths. It's not all everything. There's just so much more. But again, remember we talked about the basics. That's all he's building on. So he's just saying, you already know these things. And so it serves as this bridge of the body, namely because it's going to take us into this next section. Now, what I want you to take a look at, when, you, when we go back and we just read these first three verses, and let me read them again. Uh, I'll read this version here. Cause it says, Therefore I will always be ready to remind you of these things, even though you already know them and have been established in the truth which is present with you. I consider it my right, as long as I am in this earthly dwelling, to stir you up by way of reminder, knowing that the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is imminent. As also our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me, and I will be diligent that at any time after my departure you be able to call these things to mind. Now, where is, is this in his life? He's writing this at what point in his life? Well, I was going to say, because like, like, he already, I mean, that's what Jesus did, talked to Jesus, you know, and he talked to so it's like, um, when you come to Christ in your life, it's like the Holy Spirit builds these things on you. So like he's saying, like, by saying, saying like you already know them, he's saying like, because after Christ in me, you are forgiven, covered by sins. Like the Holy Spirit won't, but my 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 God is like call them out, remind you of them. I see. I don't know if that's like paper. Yeah, you're tracking. I mean, I'll I'll fast forward a little bit okay. to my own practical life. Is that I can, you know, I can take Paul's <laughs> Romans seven, yeah. and I'm saying I know it, but I'm doing. I keep doing these things I hate. Yeah. I, I know it. That's what we want to try to pick out. Is that you've got this, and so therefore. Even Paul himself, well, what does he keep doing? I would like, as an exercise today, to spend some time in First Timothy. Because as I look at Second Timothy in that letter, there it's it's a very it's an exhortation to Timothy, but it's like he already knows this stuff. In fact, Timothy is gonna be his successor. And yet when I read Second Timothy it, Things jump out for me as far as saying like there are problems or he's worried about something almost in a way. So I want to just pick out together if we could just do that as part of the exercise, look at it. But I wanted us to step back as we look at these passages. My question again is, where is he? How old is he? Where, where do you think he's at? He says, he says in 14 that his staying aside of the person very close to Noah's Okay. It's almost like a last will and testament, <laughs> right? Yeah. Because you're right, Mark, and I, I'm not really good with the math on this thing, but I think he's like maybe in the, he's like in his 60s. No offense to anyone, um, but back 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 in back in the day, 60 was old, right? Just because we don't quite look at it that way. But so either way, I'm just saying he is. He's 30 years or so past when he was this young <laughs> whippersnapper, you know, disciple that was sort of chasing around, you know. Th- but yet I think he, I look at this now, so he's, meh, he's mature, right? But I think, Mark, you're right. I think he, he knows he's going he's gonna to pass. Could very well have been maybe in prison under Nero because he writes in First Peter so much about this persecution that's coming, and it's like, I'm going to be the first. 
And obviously Jewish tradition and history tells us that, that he was martyred. In fact, in, in a very upside down, you know, just I guess as part of this greatest insult in itself. So I, I think it is. It's somewhat of a last will and, and testament of this thing. And I just thought it would be important because it's to help us to, to validate that a little bit. In the Jewish times, part of this tradition in the writing was that, that they would follow this form of a testament, or a, like a last tel- testament. And I thought what we would do is just take a few minutes and go through and not read all of these passages, but to, to get you familiar with these passages, and then maybe in our own words kind of just talk about what was happening. So let's turn, first of all, and take a look at Jacob first in Genesis chapter 49. And again, we're not going to necessarily read some things out of here, but what we want to do is, our hope is is that maybe we can just kind of identify a few common elements that may be seen in some of these things. So if you start back in verse 21 of Genesis 48, it says, Then Israel said to Joseph, Behold, I am dying, but God will be with you and bring you back to the land of your fathers. So this is like right before he gets into these very last words to his sons. Right? So we, we know that his, he's saying in verse 21 that his death is imminent. And he's also saying is that God will be with you and bring you back to the end of it. So he says, And Jacob then called his sons together, that I might tell you, and it goes on. And is what we know is, is that it's a whole series of, of blessings and kind of predictions, right, of what's going to happen with each of, of those in the tribe. And then all of these, in verse 28, it says, All of these are the twelve tribes of Israel, and this is what their father spoke to them. And he blessed them. He blessed each one according to his own blessing. And then he, he dies thereafter. So what we see within that is that we see like this sort of the gathering. And all I want you to do is, is to try to, with me, is to connect where Peter might have been. In other words, what was Peter's motivation in this sort of this interlude? And what was he trying to... It was like his, this parent that has with your children is that of course you never repeat anything to your kids right constantly right we just keep telling them over and over and over again what not to do right squally (laughs) right (laughs) but why found good yes it's because it was for their protection and for their care because parents we love those kids so much and yet you keep repeating over and over, in hopes that they will remember. They'll make the right decisions on there. But it is that same type of example that I would picture here. Uh, go with me over to, let's go to the next one, uh, to, to Deuteronomy 33. Now we get to Moses. Deuteronomy chapter 33, it starts actually in, uh, in, in verse, it's like this... Uh, now, Moses' final blessing on Israel. Now, this is the blessing with which Moses, the man of God, blessed the children of Israel before his death. And he said, and he goes through, and it's like this historical type of accounting. And it's like he's taking them back and remembering. And what I know is, is that at the conclusion of this, in first chapter 34 of Deuteronomy, is that he dies. But if you go back even like to 32, 
chapter 32, Moses, at the beginning of it, 30 says, Give ear, O heavens, and I will speak. O hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. Let my teaching drop on the rain, my speech distill in the dew. So in, in this, all of, in other words, in this audience, this, this, here is this call to Israel to listen to Moses. He has something very important. He's been telling you all along. But we see, again, this same similar type of pattern of like Moses' last will and testament that involved that. Joshua 24. I'm just kind of doing a few couple of these. Joshua 24, 1 to 28. Joshua 1 says, Then Joshua he gathered all the tribes of Israel again to Shechem, and he called for the elders of Israel, for their heads, and for their judges, and for their officers, and they presented themselves before God. So here again, it's like he's bringing in the troops, bringing everyone in. And he proceeds to instruct them. And the passages that we know what we're most familiar with is, you know, starts in, in verse 14. Now therefore fear the Lord, serve Him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose yourselves this day whom you will serve. And we know the verse at the end says, But as for me... In my house, we will serve the Lord. It was one of his last testaments to Israel. David in 1 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 to 9. Now the days of David drew near that he should die. And he charged Solomon his son, saying, I go the way of all the earth, be strong, therefore, and prove yourself a man. So he's talking to Solomon. He's giving him his last words of encouragement and exhortation to keep the statutes, his commandments and his judgments as a testimony that is written in the law of Moses that you may prosper in all you, all you do. And Jesus, in Luke 22, you know, you know the scene. It's the Passover meal. Then the day, Starting in verse 14. When the hour had come, he sat down and twelve apostles with him. And we know what that was. It was, again, his death was imminent. He knew that. And so with that, it's, it's important for us to focus on it was what were the instructions then that he left them? Or what was the things that he was trying to emphasize? I say to you, he said to them, With fervent desire I have desired to eat this passage with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. He took the cup, and it goes on from there. He talks even about the betrayer in verse 21. But behold, the hand of my betrayer is with me. So he goes on. He has this situation with Peter himself where there, is, there was dispute among them in verses 24 that started. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you return to me, strengthen your brethren. That passage, I believe, is where he is at. You talk about 1967, remembering that. I believe he remembered exactly that that exchange with Jesus because it was something that he himself was so passionately stirred up about. So, what were some of the common elements that we could see in these? And I I could go to another one with Paul in, in 2 Timothy 4 as another one. 
But what were some of the things that you saw that are common in all of those testaments? Go ahead. Encouragement. Encouragement. Yeah, like, especially right there, I think it'd be pretty sweet if Jesus was in the Bible face to face and saying, like, say something for you, but I got you. Okay. I know that. A couple of them I started with, and this is not my my list, meaning that this is exactly, these are sort of the observations, and so if you kind of talk, every, every one of those was that there was a telling of a prediction, right? That he, It was like he was saying that death is imminent, my time is coming, even Jesus at, at that point. And every one of those, we saw that. There was some future crisis of some sort or issue or pointing towards something into the future. In all of these, we see that as a commonality in this testament, this final testament. And for Peter, we know what that is. That future crisis is going to be this heresy, this false teachers that are going to be just pounding these believers. Also, those shepherds, those teachers. There it is. There is it's an encouragement. There's a encouragement to those and an exhortation to continue on that we see in many of those. And then there is, like the other passage says, there's this need for the hearers to remember the teaching. And in some of those Old Testament ones, we saw specifics of these blessings themselves. And so as we look at those examples in Scripture, is that we could conclude that verses 12 to 15 has that same look to it that we have in other aspects of Scripture. Not quite as long, but yet an announcement of his death and an important pointing back to something that's important, but also gives us the whys, as, as well as pointing to something that's coming and an encouragement, an exhortation. So, as far as Verses 12 to 15 is concerned. Our key word, and in fact, if you go back to, to, to uh, that passage three times, is the word, as we see this aspect of remembering or reminding, depending on your version. We see it in verse 12. We see it in verse 13. And we see it again in verse 15. Peter is going to place this significant emphasis and his responsibility to remind these believers of biblical doctrine, and then the responsibility of those hearers to remember it. You know how you, the teacher can always put you on the spot, right? He said, well, do you remember what Mark covered last week, right? So Mark is going to ask you five questions, and you're all going to be able to answer the questions correctly, right? Of course, you would say, "Well, I wasn't here last week in class. I was, you know, I was ushering last week, so get a pass in there." There's two things that we're going to focus on: our responsibility as believers that are you and I, but also I want us to respect and to recognize that there is a teacher's responsibility here. There is a shepherd's call that's here, and so he has this personal responsibility make sure that they know this biblical doctrine. But he's also giving them... You know, I, I, I threw out a question out there um, as an opener to say, is that if you knew that the Lord was going to call you home tomorrow, if you knew the Lord was going to call you home tomorrow, what would you do? Thoughts? Who wouldn't gather their family? Okay? So we're going to gather family, right? We're going to gather those who matter most to us because of the time, right? Okay? Did we not see that pattern in Scripture? 
What else? What else would we do? Courage as well. It's going to be without you. So. It's an inc- not only is it an encouragement, what else is it though? It serves beyond that even. Great remembrance. Hey, do you remember the time? That was great. By the way, you got to do something. you got to change that. Don't, you know, going home tomorrow with the Lord. Don't miss that opportunity. That's a, that's a tough, it's not even a fair question because, you know, we don't, you don't necessarily know that for tomorrow. But what I will point to is that I don't know time-wise how much longer he was here. But I will conclude from his words, Peter, he said, he was functioning, it's like, well, it could be tomorrow, it could be weeks, it could be years. And so, the lesson for me, a takeaway, kind of a jumping ahead towards the end of my notes, which I may not get through all today, is that there's a biblical view of death. Clearly, I believe he exemplified and had that in the core of his being, because if I remember back, back in John 21, Jesus told him about his type of death. And yet, did he just say, well, nah, you know, that's not going to happen. Yeah, it's going to happen. And I believe he is nearing that point. So, this theme of remembrance is, it it just gets illuminated within Scripture. And I can't even say not to be repetitive, intentional to be repetitive. I think it's important that we look at some key passages that this word remembrance jumps out. And what I'd like you to do is is that, and you can, I don't leave a whole lot of space, I apologize for that, but you write what, we, we all know that the word, I'm going to tell you, the word remembrance is going to be in all of these passages, but what is the point? What are they asking us to remember? And the context of it is important too. And what's important about the context is that, um, let me give you a, an example of something. When, let's say that um, we have a, our nephew, he had lymphoma. I'll use that. And so for the past two and a half years, and what happens is, is that that was a very significant event in our, our family's life. And guess what? We all knew a lot about lymphoma. The facts are there. We, we, can, we can become... We can talk about it because we connect ourselves. The context of that is that you intentionally you move to that long-term memory part of it so that you can articulate it, you understand it, you want to un- get to the death of it. That context is important. And so as we look at these themes and then where there's this exhortation to remember, it's to remember what and then what the, what the context is. So, let's take, take the first one, John 15, uh, 20. Jesus told the twelve. Someone has it there, can read it. Remember the word that I said to them, it is not prayer. If they me, they will Remember the word that I said unto you. And what's important as we look at that, that verse 20 is just again, glance at the context glance at what he is saying before it, that the world hates you. If you are of the world, the world loves its own, yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Then look at 21. But all these things they will 
do to you for my name's sake because they do not know him who sent me. And so what we see within that is it is a remembrance of the word that I said unto you, which was, look, you're going to be persecuted. They're going to hate you. But it also says in here that, that if they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. Which means it, this is this, um, this testament part of it. It's like Peter is saying, look, I remember what the Lord said. Peter is saying it to them so that they remember what Peter said. You see, that's what that part of that John means, is that those believers that started listening to the apostles, they did listen. So those that come to faith, but also those that are listening, responding. And so I think, Kathy, you said that earlier, is that if we have the importance of repetition in word, is how can we share something we don't know? That's critical. So what you share... What that passage is reminding me of, that I remember, that someone will remember what you said. I think, too, that that word remember is, is always followed by a statement of what he said. That's like an enforced repetition. He's, he's putting it right in front of their face. This is what I said to you. That's, that's learning. Any teacher will, will show you that that's learning, repetition. What, what, Mark, you would probably you love the the the, the Philippians passage three where Paul says, "Well, you know, I don't mind keep telling you the same things." In fact, he says, "I don't mind at all to keep telling you these same things." Right? I mean, it's it's a great passage, but that's exactly what you're saying. It's okay. It's kind of the thing with the analogy about like putting us on the spot and the teacher putting us on disciples or something more like that. Like, you know, like. like and he's using he puts that because he knows maybe they don't, so like he just knows like we're gonna fail and that's how we're gonna have to learn. Like, um, yeah, there's there's several, there's several passages that that you know you, I like to keep like in your your mind. It's like when it's like when they remembered, you know, it's like when John. Um, and I got a couple different ones, but it's just like all of a sudden the disciples remembered, they remembered what he said that he was going to die and be raised, you know, raised on the third day. They, they, it's like they, like, oh my goodness, I remembered what he said. That is the repetition, the recall. At the same time, they didn't get it in, in the, they forgot all about that. It's like, stick in my mind. It's like, like disappointment that you, you did discouragement, but like... Total, totally makes sense, because we, we, it's that connectivity, again, in relationship with a circumstance... Whatever it it could be, because there's an emotional, intimate relationship with that. So when I, I remember the times I got whacked, (laughs) you know, and I remember what I did, and I didn't do that again. Okay. At the same time, I also remember the positive things that were there. So they do are there for that very very purpose. He did it. He did it. You know, we. Uh, what I love about the Peter is where he said that he would be restored and strengthened. And I, we're, we're studying him now in that strengthened state where he's at. Because he cannot... When do you let go? Right? When do you let go of, I messed up? <laughs> when do you let go of that? And I believe God... In, you know, this is—he's the God of grace. It, it 
we had a great discussion, you know, in a community group just about, you know, Saul this week. You know, and was he, you know, like, can you empathize with Michael's, kept, could you empathize? Yeah. So was he really a bad, because he wasn't, you know, was he a bad, bad king? He was responsible for his actions. But at the same time, I'm going like, geez, I'm, I'm no different. And again, what if we look at it in a passage that way, whether it's an old a study of a king or it's a study of Peter, is that do we see you know, the mercy of God? Do we see the grace of God, the compassion of God? You know, I threw out a question there too. I said, well, tell me, how would you rate Israel's memory? What would you give them on a score of 1 to 10? Or would you give them an A through an F? What would you give them? They'd have to grade on a curve, wouldn't they? Yeah. God did. God graded them on a curve. We see that throughout all of the Old Testament is Israel's continued. They focused on bad memory things. They remembered the things that they shouldn't have been remembering. And Isaiah and Hosea tell them that. He says, "Focus. you're focusing on the wrong things. But we're no different. Remembering that the Word said, Acts 20, 35. Hard work to What's interesting in this in this passage and uh, verse thirty five there is we kind of just look again. What is this? Is an, a passage of exhortation? Remember the words of the Lord Jesus. Okay, yes, but again, he is from Miletus. He is sent to Ephesus. He's calling these elders of the church in verse seventeen together, and he says in verse eighteen, "You know." There it is again. You know from the first day that I came to Asia in what manner I've always lived among you. In other words, do you remember? Do you remember everything I've said? I go bound in the spirit of Jerusalem. You know, moving on from there, he, he says in this that therefore take heed yourselves and all that flock among you. The Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he has purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, there it is again, after his leaving, what does it say? Savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. 31. Therefore watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn you every night and day. There is a similar type of parallel to what Peter is saying, because what we're going to read and study in chapter 2, it's all about those savage wolves, those false teachers that are coming going forward. To the Jerusalem church, Peter, in Acts 11. Acts, go, so go ahead, Demer. And the word that John baptized with water. This is that example that we were talking about, Swally, before. He said, here are these, they, they remembered. Then, then remembered I the word of the Lord. In uh, verse 16 there. He's saying, I, I do. And if therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave us, then we believe that the Lord Jesus, who was I, I to withstand God. This was this, you know, really a defensive. Type. When these, when they heard these things, they became silent because he was again focusing on this whole aspect of the Gentiles, right? Salvation to the Gentiles, and it just didn't reconcile. But what it is is that they remembered in verse sixteen, going back. I remember the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. It is the coming of the Holy Spirit that is coming. And he had given this gift. And so it was something that they remembered what he had said previously. Jesus, John says, his disciples remember that he had said that in John 
chapter 2 at the front end of that, that was the example that I, I gave to you earlier, where it said, Therefore, when he had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this to them, and they believed the Scripture. And so in this situation was, is that there is this validation of the Scripture itself. In other words, it was always there. Not only was it said there that the Word is true, that promise. And it's interesting, in, in this that little teeny book of Jude that's sort of stuck right be, between the, the Johns and Revelation, there's a very uh, similar type of writing. And it may have been even something that Jude was looking at, maybe something Peter even wrote. I want... It says, but I want to remind you, though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not. And it was a, I, I will therefore put this in remembrance of you. And what he does is he goes through three bad things that follow. And he gives the examples of those, starting um, with the apostasy. And this, again, going back to the Old, Old Testament types of examples, where there was a bad outcome. And it was because... Again, this remembrance. He puts those in remembrance. And then finally Peter says, I now write to you by way of remembrance at our passage here. I write to you by way of remembrance in chapter 3. It's the third, fourth time it shows up. Second Peter 3, 1. Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets. A very, he, he, it's like he's going to bring us back. So chapter 2 becomes this false teaching focus, and then he talks about, again, God's promise in taking us back, so he, as again a reminder in chapter 3. So we need reminders, even of things that we already no, and if we look and we turn away, you'll forget about what you saw. But if you look and continue to look, you'll remember what you say. That is why it's important to be reminded about remembering. You know, I, I used to love those little exercises where you had a picture and you had to try to remember what was in the picture, you know, those things, and then you kind of look away and you can see how many things you could recall. So you're just like, you're studying in that. It's a very practical analogy, though, of what this statement is saying and what we're seeing within Scripture itself. That is its very purpose. is so that you can remember those little teeny things from Scripture. Peter focuses primarily on those basics, but what it does is when you start to do a study this way, it draws us to all aspects of, of Scripture from beginning to the end of that. You can't remember unless you've already been taught it or seen it. That's the only way you can have a remembrance. It, it's buried somewhere in your memory, in there. Okay, here's your homework assignment. Okay, because I'm kind of running out of time here. No surprise. Here's the homework assignment. When the question that Peter says, this is it's not a question, but this we're going to phrase it, we're going to look at an example. So the passage again, it says that... For this reason I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. So what he's saying is is that they, those believers, they're well established and they know truth. 
So these are believers that know truth and they're well established. We'll get into detail a little bit more with establishment, but I want us to look at an example. Before you can answer that question, to say is this, well, are we well established and don't need a reminder, yes or no? The answer I hope that you say is this, yeah, we need a reminder. Because what I'd like us to do is, is, is to look at 2 Timothy. Just read that short little book. It's only it's not that long. You can read it. Read it. And when we start next week from these passages, is let's share your observations about Timothy. Because this is the, the theme what we see in, in, this, in that book. Is that Timothy gets this letter from Paul. It is this exhortation to him. And in that, he's like he's passing on the mantle of ministry to Timothy. And what, when we read through that, look at the details from the standpoint of what do you see of your observations as it relates to what I know was a man that was established in truth, but did he need a reminder? The book is the reminder. <laughs> and so I want that to be our opening part of our discussion as we continue with this remembering focus, because I think what we can relate to in many ways is Timothy. Okay, so scratch the three-week breakdown of that passage uh, that I had there, and we'll just uh, go from there. Okay, any any thoughts or comments? So make a marker in your your outline there, and we'll pick this up uh, next week. Any comments or could you close us in prayer then? Sure. Please. Facing 